Good Gab, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, today we have Sarah Lickfold, the incoming executive director for Transitions. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Sarah, it's just nice to see you. How's, yeah. how's your world? What's going on? Uh, it's busy. Tell us more. <laughs> what are you What are you getting into? <laughs> well, it's busy already as development director at Transitions, and um, sort of now I'm starting to go to meetings and um, mostly meetings uh, for executive director goodies. Oh, oh yeah! Did yeah. y'all hear about that? Did you, Sarah Lickfold, <laughs> the new executive director for Transitions? That's right. Oh! Yay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very excited. Yeah, to hear I haven't that. started yet. I'll start officially in end of January, probably. Uh, and then my boss retires February fifteenth, so that's when. Wow. It'll really drop. Well, yeah, a lot of stuff happening. Yeah, yeah, but in the meantime, huh. I've got time to like start getting into the mix and actually like working on things that I'm planning yeah. to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, a storied organization. You've mm -hmm. had your hands in, you know, the Spokane community for a long time. Mm -hmm. How long? Well, five years. Okay. Going on five years. In February, actually, oddly enough, is when I got hired originally as development director. <laughs> so February, five years later, is when I started as executive director. And um, I'm from eastern Washington, but I'm not originally from Spokane. So I've only been in Spokane a little over what, five years. What town? I'm from OMAC, Washington. OMAC. Yeah. Shout uh, out yep. to the uh, Okanagan County. And, and a beautiful valley heads all the mm -hmm. way up into Canada, if you haven't been up there. It does. I hear it's a nice wine country in Canada. Uh-huh. Yeah. It is. Has it's it made its wine. way down into Washington yet? It has. Yeah. Even Ugh. OMAC has this little winery that's actually really delicious. Nice. They do a really nice yeah. job. On, and then Chelan, of course, has amazing wine. So well, yeah, it's a good, good area. Yeah. That whole, uh, part of our state, I used to travel up there, uh, when they used to sell medical supplies, the one lone hospital up there. Yeah, so yeah. yep. Uh, hang out. I, gosh, I wish I remembered the name of that hotel, but it was, uh, right across from the Walmart when the Walmart wasn't there and oh. it was kind of, you know, a shanty. That was a while hotel. ago. Oh yeah, but I, I enjoyed it up <laughs> pre -Walmart? there. Pre-Walmart. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, pre-Walmart. I barely remember that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, good, uh, good place to be. So, well, tell us how'd you get to Spokane? Oh gosh, um, how'd I get to Spokane? So I will back up slightly on that answer. Um, I had been in the Peace Corps. So I was in Peru for two years, from 2015 to 2017, doing community economic development work. And I, you know, at the end of that, at the end of the Peace Corps, you're like, what do I do now? Like, you just <laughs> right? had this life-changing experience. You're pretty much a different person than you were when you started out, uh, all in good ways, hopefully. Um, and, and you're like, okay, well, what do I do now? And so... I thought about it and I hadn't seen my family for two years. They weren't able to visit me. I, I couldn't afford to come back. Right. Um, just as some like trip 
you know, I did see my sister. She came and visited me, but she's the only family member I saw for 27 months. So I was like, I think I want to be near my family, but not too close. <laughs> right. That would, this makes sense. <laughs> so um, OMAC uh, was not really in the in the consideration for me. Um, so but Spokane, my brother lives here with his kids. Um, but my mom and dad and my sister and her family are in OMAC. So I decide on Spokane, way more opportunity than OMAC, good sized city. Yep. Um, it's changed a lot in the last, you know, 20 years. Well, I'm more, I'm sure. But I remember as a kid coming to Spokane, it was the big city. Right. That This is where you uh-huh. come to shop. To the mall. Uh-huh. And, School shopping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and going to the th- all the thrift stores, like we didn't have that in OMAC. So we're like, woo. Um, and never really wanted to move here based on what I saw as a kid. But as an adult, when I came and visited and checked it out, it had like gotten way cooler. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It got super cool. So I'm like, all right, I feel the vibe. I can get into this. So I came over here. And was transitions like the first job that you had when you were when you got to Spokane? Sort of. Uh, it took me about six months because I, I was able to take the time to really look for a job that I wanted. Nice. Uh, I didn't That's apply. That's a blessing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. It's a big deal. I wasn't just applying to jobs out of desperation. Um, I was networking. It was just kind of cold networking with folks in Spokane in the nonprofit sector because I knew I wanted to be there and make change. Again, post-Peace Corps, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, oh, the nonprofit sector. Um so uh, I, I was delivering newspapers for a while because you got to do what you got to do. Absolutely. Um, but um, eventually I ran across transition, which is an interesting story. I actually never saw the job posting itself on the sites that I was at. Okay, there's um, a story here. We yeah. want to hear it. Well, I started yeah. volunteering too it, for nonprofit events. Um, so I ended up volunteering at the Pumpkin Ball. And um, another volunteer there worked at American Cancer Society and had volunteered at one of Transitions programs. So she got emails and she's like, hey, this job is open. You should check it out. She sent the info to me. And I had just met this person that night. Wow. Uh-huh. And that's the only reason I ever saw that job posting. That's incredible. Yeah. That oh, sounds well. like Spokane, too. It, do- it, yeah. do- it really does. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really fortunate that because um, it could have taken a lot longer to find. And it's such a great fit. Like Transitions Mission is, you know, I don't I'm pretty calm. I'm I don't get worked up about a lot of things. But when you're talking about transitions values like justice, community, growth and wholeness and respect for human dignity, like I am there <laughs> and like, I will fight for that. Yeah. How dare you, Sarah? <laughs> you know, you know like, like I will get passionate and the mission is to end poverty and homelessness for women and children in Spokane. I'm like, I am there too. Mm. That's perfect. So, um, really just great fit and it's a great organization. I work with awesome people. So, well, maybe tell some of our listeners, you know, who mm-hmm. haven't heard of transition, some of the work that, you know, you do, I know we're here at the Spokane library today. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite traditions <laughs> when we're here is to go downstairs uh, to the new leaf cafe mm-hmm. and get a coffee. Yes. That's in support of jobs. It's in support mm-hmm. of your organization. Like mm-hmm. I love it. And that, and if you get to know, you know, the barista that's uh, behind the counter, you know, they got some great stories. Yeah. Some intense stories sometimes too. Um, 
yeah, so New Leaf is one of our six programs. Um, Transitions as a whole, like I said, works to end poverty and homelessness for women and children in Spokane. So with the New Leaf Kitchen and Cafe, we have a job training program uh, that goes, you can do barista training at the cafe, or you can do catering, like a a catering kitchen program at at our kitchen, which is at the Snap Building um, on Wistocks Way near Spokane Falls. And they're, they're both different programs. So, you know, it just depends on what you're looking for. If you want the customer service experience and that side versus some of the more um, kitchen cooking. Yeah, back of the house. Yeah, back of the house. Yeah. Um, And it's low barrier. So we get a lot of different folks coming through who maybe can't find a job um, because of lack of experience, because maybe they were a mom, a stay at home mom for several years and need some of that work experience. Um, a lot of women who have experienced domestic violence and were at home for a long time and now like able, have gotten out of that. Um, uh, we've gotten people who've been released from jail and prison and holy cow, it is really hard to get a job when you have a record. It is really, really tough. So we, they're able to kind of come through our program and we have a lot of relationships with local employers that um, that trust us and what we do. And um, so we can connect people with jobs that way. And um, tons of barriers, you know, homelessness, of course. Yep. Um, there's just lots of barriers that get in folks' way uh, to getting employment. Although the, the employment market is pretty wide open right now. So it's a little bit harder to find trainees at the moment because it is really entry-level jobs are much easier to get um yeah that seems like a good thing right it, it, right it like, should oh, be right yes. <laughs> i know we're experiencing that at skillskin you know we, we yeah we exist to you know help people with disabilities find employment we employ a lot of people and it is getting harder and harder to connect with those folks because they're being employed in the community yeah yeah and yeah it's a good thing it's great but yeah it's like okay well what do we do how do we uh don't you yeah, need pivot. me anymore? <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. I got a question for you on the, the catering side of things. Sure. Um, so let's say I have a lunch or a dinner. Can we engage with you uh, to cater that? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just call. There's info, information mm-hmm. on the website. Um, sometimes we have the capacity. Sometimes we don't. It's a pretty small operation at the t- at like right now, you know, we're still developing that arm. Um, but yeah, we have mostly it's, it's usually lunches or like appetizer items and things, things of that nature. We have a really great chef. That's awesome. Um, who's very creative. So, well, we hear it on, you know, this podcast from time to time. It's like, well, how do I engage? Well, there's, there's a way right there. There's a way right there. Do you have a lunch? Mm -hmm. Call New Leaf to see if they have the capacity to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What yeah. other programs are you doing? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's just one. <laughs> right? uh, and we barely even touched on the cafe, which is here in the library. We do have another cafe location at the YWCA, which is a really great partnership. It's closed until January sometime. We're figuring out some uh, product. for Because it's in the YMCA building, you know, uh, the gym. We're like, we probably need to adjust some of our products for like healthy eaters and whatnot. That so, makes sense. Yeah. So we're doing some surveying over that's there. That's just right good now. business, yeah, right? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, so that's our job training program. And then we have 
Oh, which one to go to next? Uh, we have a plethora of housing programs um, that act in different ways. So we have two transitional housing programs. One is for moms with kiddos. It's called TLC. And then the other one is for single women who don't have kids with them. They might have kids, but they just don't have them with them. Um, that's called Miriam's House. And tra- transitional housing, we don't have a lot of that in Spokane. Right. So it's really nice to have some available in the area. It's a best practice for survivors of domestic violence. Um, so that's really a huge portion of the population that we're serving um, at, at those two sites. Can you help us understand you know, that why it's a best practice? It's, it's a best practice according to... the HUD, the the Housing and Urban Development. Um, And it's just because you got to get folks out of that situation really quickly. And so you're you're not always going to have a permanent situation um, for them. So transitional housing is a really nice way to, okay, let's separate you from this situation and then um, help you build some of these skills and have a case management there because it's supportive. So we have case management on site to help women kind of get back up on their feet, maybe look for work if they want, other resources, maybe they need, you know, some counseling at that point. There's just lots of different things that people need and then eventually transition them (laughs) into permanent housing with their family or uh, just themselves or finding a roommate sometimes can be a challenge. I I was uh, talking with Fawn Schott, VOA, the other day about transitional housing and yeah, there's just not enough here, right? No. Significantly. Significantly. Well, HUD doesn't Mm. fund it anymore, even though it is listed as a best practice. So as they've moved their priorities, mm-hmm. the funding's kind of dried up. Yes. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. It's hard to get housing built without the yes. you know federal government yeah. backing it. Well, and you can't maintain transitional housing um, without funding. Right. Because you got expensive. You got it. Well, yeah, you've got to pay for the facilities, but on top of that, you're paying staff to be there and support the folks in the uh, program. So we've got case management staff and community uh, community building staffs, so like house coordinator, for instance, because building community is one of the most important things that we do with the people in all of our programs, um, because that's going to provide long-term stability in a way that I don't know if we really have a concept of that as like we take it for granted a lot of times as humans, but when we meet someone who doesn't have that at all, like oh oh yeah that's a big deal so what does that look like uh, to build community within the program Uh, at TLC and Miriam's house like I said we have actual staff people who are dedicated to that specifically so um, it's sometimes it's tenant meetings um, to make sure they're involved in some decision making as well um, as just like getting to know each other Um, it can be parent meetings uh, we'll do birthday parties. Nice. Uh, at Miriam's house, community is so important that they do a dinner together every night, um, which is really special. And COVID obviously messed up all of this stuff. But <laughs> of course. Um, so we're still kind of picking up the pieces. Um, but at Miriam's house, they have restarted those dinners together. So um, we'll have one of the residents will kind of lead a dinner each night and have a helper 
And so a lot of women learn to cook that way and um, just have a really great time building that community. And I've interviewed several um, people who have graduated from Miriam's house and they're all, all of them say it was terrible at first, like living yeah, in that community. You're, you're stuck. putting me at dinner with yeah. everyone. Yeah. I'm stuck in this house with, cause it's a large house with bedrooms. So you're sharing a lot of spaces. I'm stuck in this house with these women. I don't know. I hated it at first, but that was their favorite part by the time they left. They're like, I miss that the most is that community. So every time, like without fail, I've never heard a different <laughs> different story from an interview I've done with a Miriam's house grad. Well, that's core human, right? Yeah. Like we, yep. we need connection. And sometimes it's really it. annoying. Right. Yes. But we need it. Nonetheless. Indeed. Well, that that's incredible. I, I know I think about it for my own self. It's like, it's nothing to just, you know, walk down the street and, you know, say hi to my neighbors and, yeah. you know, maybe like I was shoveling someone's, you know, driveway the other day and, it's just I do take it for granted. Yeah. And I have those connections and can, you know, pick up the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's easy to do. It's just kind of, if you've had it your whole life, you don't kind of think twice about it. So, I think love twice. That story. Yeah, think twice. <laughs> you heard it here, everyone. You heard it here first. <laughs> yep. Probably not first. <laughs> so, okay. So, those are transitional housing programs. And then also in housing, we have a permanent supportive housing program called the Home Yard Cottages. This is one of a kind. Um, there are 24 cottages. They're little houses, um, each 1,000 square feet and under. Uh, 15 of them have solar panels, but they're, they all have um, really high efficiency equipment in them. Um, and this was just built. We finished it at the end of 2018. So um, they're fairly new as well. But it's this little two-acre plot of land in northwest Spokane that's just these really cute little houses. And, and we have a 25th building that's the community building. Again, got to have it. Yep. Uh, and we have case management there. So that's that supportive piece of the permanent supportive housing, um, or PSH, as we call, in, in the biz. Yeah. Um, so it's just really a really special little neighborhood um and it's part of the larger neighborhood it's pretty well like it doesn't look out of place with no the it doesn't well i've been there you mm-hmm. took me for a tour yeah i had to see it. it's like not only is it pleasing to the eye like architecturally yeah. uh, the colors but yeah when you're saying inside i saw you know some of that um hvac equipment that was yeah. in every room and well, they call it mini splits, I think, is what I saw I in there. They so. were cool. Um, and just a really good feel. Yeah. Like, I, I could I could see myself living there. Oh, totally. Yeah, we've got studio one, two, and three-bedroom units. The three-bedroom units have laundry, but for the rest, we have that community space that has laundry in it. So it's just a nice little community that... Um, and you may need support, supportive services for your, the rest of your life is maybe, maybe you have a disability or, um, something that's chronic, you know, chronic health issue or So it's really nice to have those case managers there. They're not 24 seven. Um, uh, so it's just like your standard kind of office hours, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so it's, but other people don't need that support forever. But it's an, it can be a nice stepping stone. They c- could live there forever, could be their forever home, and, or it could just be a stepping stone to 
the next phase of their life. So we, we've, it's been pretty steady, uh, but we have had some folks move out for one reason or another. I, I think that's kind of really impactful for everyone to understand, you know, how people move through housing. Yeah. I mean, it's the crisis of the day in Spokane and across our country. It's true. And, but if we can help people and we're helping the whole person, mm -hmm. it's like they can move through from just transitional to su permanent supportive to maybe just, you know, section eight housing, just mm -hmm. something. And then all of a sudden it's like this community is built and they're feeling very confident in themselves and their abilities and they're getting, you know, promoted at work and all of a sudden they're yeah. just, just some of us need a little extra help or again, some of us never had community and there's stability with that and security that some people have never experienced. So let's give them that experience and, and see what they do with it. Yeah. Imagine that. Like how many times we haven't, you know, don't know something and we mm. learn it. it can be transformational. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like organizing my garage. I can find that tool. No. I digress. Uh -oh. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, no, the home yard cottages though are just, they're really unique. They're the only um, community like that in Spokane. I don't know about nationwide. I would guess there aren't very many. There are kind of tiny house communities that are really similar, um, but these aren't tiny houses per se they're close. Um, yeah, so like it's the same, homes. same kind of idea. Um, we'd love to duplicate the home yard cottages. They're, they're pretty expensive. Huh. Um, but, uh, they're really just really dignifying because you have your own house. Like you don't have to share walls with anybody, which can be a really big deal. I don't know if you remember moving from an apartment to a house. I'm like, Oh, can yell if I want to. I can like <laughs> I do all these. Yeah, things there's so much freedom. I, I can jump <laughs> on my own floor because I don't have neighbors underneath me. You know that sort of thing. So it's just there's a, a lot of pride in that. Well, I hope uh, you know there's more funding for you know those kind of transformational projects. Yeah, well, especially when you start to put services together. I know. I get to the pleasure of being a part of Catholic Charities and their housing yeah. um, side of the business. And one of the new housing projects called Gonzaga Family Haven mm -hmm. that happened up at Gonzaga partnered with, you know, Gonzaga University, um, G Prep and the, the Salish School and just a whole lot of community partners have yeah. come in and just were given space to have programs mm -hmm. inside of, you know, this complex and we're just, just starting to see the benefit of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, it takes some time. And I, it was light bulb for me. It was, you said it, it's community. Like mm -hmm. I was thinking of services, but it's, it, it's not that it is building community and connections and, mm -hmm. and networking out. And we're hearing stories about people finding employment through those connections. And yeah, yeah, that, that's gotta be the model. I think so. And transitions does community well. For sure. Yeah. And and it is one of our values. So, you know, we just make sure everything we do has that that in it. But um, in housing, it's really vital. So we're trying to do that, too. We partnered with Community Frameworks. They own an apartment complex called Cinto Commons that opened up about a year ago. And they brought us in to be the case management because we're really good at it. 
and, and they were our developer on the home yard cottages so they saw how well it Synergy. worked there yeah yeah so um we have a case manager and a half at that location helping out with um, they set aside 20 something units for uh, permanent supportive housing for the chronically homeless population so um, it's it's a definitely a challenge at first when you have all of these new people all at once. Um, it, it'll eventually settle, but it's it's an interesting uh, kind of experience and maybe experiment because it's it's definitely an avenue that transitions could pursue because case management is like we have it at all of our sites. That is what we do, and you see the benefit. Yeah, because you can because it's a one on one experience, which is what every person experiencing homelessness needs because they all have a different story. They all have different barriers. They have different reasons for being there. Like every individual needs that one-on-one -on -one, um, attention, goal setting, et cetera. And, um, and love and community, you know, Imagine that love. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, the peer support yeah. that comes with community as well as a big, big deal for, uh, for what we do. So we'll see how, how that goes at Cento Commons, but so far it's been a it's been a nice little um, experiment. Well, I love that you know two nonprofits partnering mm -hmm. up and what they're excellent at. Yeah, and that, that model should be you know replicated over and over again, yeah. not just here in Spokane but everywhere. Yeah, it's like why try to do everything? Just right. what you're good at. Yes. Stay there and partner with yes. people. Yeah. Transitions hmm. does a little bit of everything <laughs> right now, but our case management. Out of necessity, really, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see that coordination in Spokane of, okay, well, Transitions is really good at case management with women and women with children. Like that's kind of where we're, where our niche is. And then VOA is really great with you know, women without children and youth and, you know, Catholic charities is really good at this, like men or, and family promise is really great at families and, you know, just kind of coordinating those efforts. And we do to a point for certain, for sure. Um, but it would be kind of an interesting model to see like pathways, um, starting like someone is homeless, becomes homeless and, immediately has a place to go and they'll be like, okay, boom, we've got a temporary stay for you right away. Like you're not spending a night in a shelter. You're not spending a night in the cold or in the heat, in the elements. Um, we just, okay, this is your situation. Okay. We know which pathway we need to take you on. Oh, you're, you've been chronically homeless. Okay. That's a different pathway. You know, oh, you just got kicked out of your house because your partner just kicked you out and you're not on the lease, so you don't have any rights. Here's your pathway. Yeah. You can have a roof over your head. Yeah. And in each organization who's, you know, specializes mm -hmm. in that person's journey, mm -hmm. boom, we can just partner with them. Mm -hmm. Oh, you, you, you're a mm -hmm. mom with two kiddos? Tra transitions is the pathway mm -hmm. for you, <laughs> you know? Um, and again, to a point, we do that. But, um, in Spokane and probably in the rest of the country, I mean, the nonprofits are working really, really, really hard. And it's there's so much that sometimes it feels like you're on a hamster wheel. Sure. You're just going, 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 going. So it's hard to get a f that coordination sometimes because it that does take some upfront 
work. It would take a, a good amount of time to have a system in place other than there's a coordinated entry system, of course, that um, I believe all of those organizations I mentioned use. Uh, well, it takes a, a real uh, commitment from an organization to kind of be open to about yeah. what you're excellent at. And, sure. And I don't know, it's a human nature, like territories yeah. and what you can do. But yeah. if you're really trying to move the needle, it's like everyone's just got to commit to that. Yeah. I think there's <laughs> some conversations happening. That's that. That mm-hmm. is exciting yeah. to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Between um, the city and the Hello for Good group. Uh, there's some conversations happening, so I'm excited to see what kind of comes out of that. Well, we had uh, Chris Patterson here yeah. uh, a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and he was he was alluding to some of that as mm-hmm. well. So that's good. Yeah, we don't, nobody knows actually what's you know what's going to happen, but I guess that's part of the excitement. Totally one foot in front of the other, <laughs> yeah. right? Until something all, goes, all and when things do. don't work, we just redo. Yep. New iteration. Yep, try again. Mm-hmm. Any um, other housing that you're a part of for transitions? Not currently. Those yeah. are the main um, housing aspects. Um, and then we, of course, have Women's Hearth. Well, you know, before I go to Women's Hearth, let me just mention Educare uh, because it's kind of attached to housing, but it is its own program because it's childcare and licensing and all of that. So um, that was really important for us to have um, because, because of the families that we have. And there's so many... Childcare is one of the biggest barriers for women. And I don't have to put a socioeconomic status on that. (laughs) And it's one of the most challenging barriers for women, period. Um, So it's really nice that we have that. It's um, real, it's women pay up to $50 a month for childcare at Educare. Wow. Um, And some don't pay anything. So. And, and the average it's incredible yeah. to be able to run a program yeah. like that and it's trauma-informed care so you're you the teachers know how to work with these kiddos who are already um they already have kind of symptoms of some of those accelerated childhood um what's the e stand for aces experience it is experience no it's oh, a- not accelerate. I've got the A wrong. <laughs> the aces. You know what the aces are. So the kiddos are already experiencing um, symptoms of the trauma they've experienced. Adverse childhood Adverse experiences. Childhood experiences. That's the one. Um, so it's really nice to be able to mitigate that. Um, yeah. Young. Because I honestly, if if the world would take on child care, we could change the world. Because if kiddos are being raised from infancy, infancy to five, right, is a really critical time period in our development as humans. And if we could get that right for kids, that could change the world. Truly. Well, yeah, you can take a whole (laughs) generation of people, take out or deal with a lot of trauma, help them through this. Mm -hmm. How could it not? Yeah. Oh, people have healthy coping mechanisms? <laughs> What's that? Yeah, amazing. <laughs> my, I know my brother, he talks a lot about um, child care and yeah. some of the stuff that Spokane County's facing. And I know uh, the Workforce Development um, Council. Council here mm-hmm. in Spokane, they uh, just got a grant for 
over two million dollars mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. to help you know organizations and I think like yourselves right to yeah. be able to bolster this yeah we even said it's not enough Steve like we it's need a, a very mm-hmm. big commitment to this to yeah to that's really not a long-term solution by any means um, the Spokane we work with the Spokane Alliance uh, and they have been working really hard the last um, many months maybe a couple years on getting assistance with child care. No, they, they were working towards 10 million. So that two something, um, I think was, uh, was part of that effort came out of that effort. Um, as well as a, a Spokane city commitment and a Spokane Valley commitment. And they didn't hit, I think they all together. It was about 6.2 million, which is a great little, nest egg to get things started to work on you know mental health for teachers as well as kids because the teachers went through a lot during covid right so they're realizing you really need everybody needs some mental health um support there and then like paying teachers a living wage at least um because a lot of preschool teachers or child care workers uh do not get paid well at all it's it's incredible how little they get paid, and it's and that's not a function of the business either. They're they just literally cannot pay more for what they're charging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a failed market, is it's, what it really is. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yep. We tried to you know let uh, let the markets you know run childcare, and it just didn't work. It didn't work. And mm-hmm. so that's a, for me, I think that's a great time for the government to step in, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what they can do. They mm-hmm. can go, okay, we can help not fix this market, but at least stabilize it and, and reassess. All right. We have K through 12. Let's make it zero through 12. Why not? Why not? That's a big idea yeah. and worth exploring. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think that would be, I, I just think that would change the world. <laughs> Period. I'm with you, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it would take some time, obviously, but, you know, I'm willing to, you know, put my money in it and my time in it. And I don't have kids, but I see that value there. And I can see, I, you know, I want our country to be successful. I want the world to be successful and for humanity to be successful and healthy and vibrant and our future is not certain, but if we put our money where our mouths are and actually invested in childcare, I see hope for the future in a way that, you know, I wouldn't without that. I like your dream. Let's follow <laughs> it. <laughs> Boom. Let's go. Yeah. If you're hearing this today and you have some ability to help change, just help us. This is a good dream to get behind. <laughs> yeah. If you're passionate about childcare, get in the fight. Get in the game because we need it. Otherwise, and there's that, equity it, in that. that. It affects that market, everyone. Yeah, that market is going to crash. It's going to. I claim it already has. Yeah, that's probably yeah. Yeah. COVID really did that for yeah. us. Yep, hundred percent. Just yeah, there's a big it bright was, light, and let's not ignore it anymore. It was already in a really challenging situation, and now it's just, it just hit it really hard. So. Um, educare is really important. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and I love that we, that we have that. And, but that could be another really great, uh, who's good at childcare then just bolster that who's good at it. Um, and like, that's part of the, that system of services. Yeah. Well, let's replicate. Let's grow. Yeah. 
Um, and then let's talk about our last program. It's Women's Hearth. So that's kind right. of, yeah. We love the hearth, we by the way. We love the hearth. Yep, Skillskin and the mm-hmm. hearth have had a relationship for some time now. Yep. And just we love being able to be part of uh, supporting mm-hmm. uh, that program. So thank you for allowing us to. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we love partnering with Skillskin and all of our community agencies, as many as we can. Um, and hearth, the hearth partners with a lot. So um, Women's Hearth is kind of our front door, acts as our front door. So the majority of the women that we serve in Spokane go through the Women's Hearth. Um, and I'm talking, so Transitions typically serves anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 women a year. And the majority of those are through Women's Hearth. And Women's Hearth kind of has a dual purpose. So its first and original purpose was to be a safe space for women. Um, so women were... Back in the 90s, early 90s, you know, women were living on the street. The women who were living on the streets didn't have a safe place to go during the day. And uh, they're very vulnerable to predators. Um, And in the early 90s, we had some particularly horrible predators in Spokane. So um, one of our founding sisters um, just, like, started Women's Hearth. It was like, here's a building. Come in during the day. Be safe. No men allowed, you know? So so to this day, women who are 18 or older who identify as a woman can come into Women's Hearth and just have a safe space. If nothing else, come in, sit down, we'll get you a cup of coffee. Breathe. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and then we have some different spaces within that as well where we have a respite room um, where women can lay down if they're not feeling well. Again, if you're if you don't have a safe place to go and you're not feeling well, ugh. Yeah, I can't, and, and I can't imagine. Yeah, and then you don't have really a good bathroom to use. Um, ugh, it's gross. So women's hearth could just be that. It could just be the bathroom and a place to lie down. It could be I need a quiet place that's not lit with um, uh, some of these the types of lights that we have. I can't think of the word right now, but. Um, fluorescent. Yes, the lovely hospital-like fluorescent. Which can uh, really aggravate different mental health issues. Um, It can trigger um, epileptic, well, situations. Um, And so we have some spaces set aside where either the lights are off and you can just be quiet and kind of meditate. I think they call it the meditation room. Or the library, we have a library where you could just be and the lighting is softer. So um, it gets you away from some of that fluorescence. It's just those little things, you know, that that provide some safety and some security and rest. Because when you're experiencing homelessness, you're never resting. You're always in crisis mode. And that's a problem for for humans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not. That we, level yeah. of stress in, yes. in your body, it's not sustainable. No, it is not. Um, so that alone is a huge part of what Women's Hearth does. Kind of the, on the other side, uh, the, or the second part of what Women's Hearth is, is that community center. So it really acts as a community center for women. Uh, we have a knit and crochet group. We have... Um, different classes like uh we'll have an art therapy type class 
or we've had different exercise classes or yoga or just kind of depends on who the most active participants are at any given time. Makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that provides that community again, where someone either folks currently experiencing homelessness can get involved in that. We have a lot of kind of graduates or alumni that from women's hearth that come back and they're because their friends are there right like they've made friends and they support each other and maybe give back too if they can they do we, we've got a volunteer team um at women's hearth of folks who have used women's hearth services and they always have access if they need additional support a lot of those folks are on fixed incomes so um it's hard to afford food and um and rent (laughs) so we we can provide them some food from the food bank or you know things things of that nature so always willing to support and help and and keep people housed so it's not just okay i got you how helped get you housed now bye forever right um because it takes a community and it takes consistent support um so we might get some help get someone housed and then they can always come back if they need more help or if they're having issues with their landlord that we can help mitigate there. We do that a lot. We do a lot of prevention work that, honestly, we don't really measure or advertise that much. Um, so it's part of my goal is to do that at some point. Okay, well, help us understand because what – give us an example. What's prevention work? Um, so, something as simple as I don't have enough money to pay rent this month and we can – uh, connect with resources if we don't have them ourselves and boom done or hey my landlord is being predatory that um, never happens <laughs> no <laughs> could never um so just amazing <laughs> so okay so if like there's an issue you just say it out loud with with your organization and there's yeah someone's gonna maybe step up and try to find a resource yeah, so a lot That's of folks, incredible. a lot of folks come back to us <laughs> if they're having those issues and okay, let's talk through it. What are the issues? Okay, is it safe for you to be there cuz if not, let's find you a different place. And that's a really hard thing to do without help right now is find a different place to oh, live. Yeah. But we won't even place our people into certain um housing situations. We're pretty picky about that. But every now and then uh you know, things just happen things happen (laughs) so that's incredible to get that story out that that's a resource that you provide and and that's real help yeah yeah and generally we're helping out folks who have um have worked with us in the past Mm -hmm. but honestly any woman could go down to women's hearth and we're gonna help them we don't ask for like you don't there aren't requirements right except identify as a woman and you're 18 or older you come in, you want to hang out, you want to talk to a case manager about housing or you need different services. That's what we're there for. Like we don't, we're not picky. Incredible. <laughs> At least we try not to be. We are picky about some things. <laughs> that's good. Well, that's when you're moving towards excellence. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So Women's yeah. Hearth is a really special place. And I really encourage people. Uh, we haven't been doing a lot of tours, but I kind of getting back into the flow. Um, and we could definitely do tours of Women's Hearth because it is 
just really special. And we've done walking tours with Hope House, which is a VOA program. Because again, it's just really special to see that relationship between Women's Hearth and Hope House and how um, they we really work together to to help these women in a meaningful way. It's incredible, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Just I, I know just being able to witness some of the work that you and your organization are doing. It's just um, Spokane. Uh, we are fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> very, very fortunate. Well, oh, Transitions yeah. is an awesome organization. Yeah. I feel fortunate to get to work there. So um, I just like whenever I think about it, it's hard work. So some days yeah. I'm less grateful than others. But um, at the end of the day, I'm like, dang, I'm glad I work with these people and these programs and this is what we get to do because we're just really collaborative and we work with the people we serve. It's not a, an us and them kind of situation. Right. Thank goodness. So yeah. That is the model. Yeah. Yeah. What's happened in other countries? You spent some, you said 27 months in Peru. I did. What, what does homelessness look like there? Oh, man, poverty just looks different in general. Um, there in Peru. So I could survive, well, not more than survive. I could even travel on like, I think it was anywhere between 300 and $350 a month. Uh, yeah, (laughs) it it was painful moving back to the States in some ways. (laughs) Um, so, and I was living well and like better than a lot of people in my community. I lived in a town that was, uh, in the Andes of Peru and we had, I think 700 to 800 people in that town. Um, there wasn't, I didn't see a lot there. Families live together a lot as a generational thing. So you don't see a lot of homelessness. Right. At least I didn't in my experience. Obviously my experience is just one. Um, a lot more of the homelessness and heavy poverty were kind of on the outskirts of the cities where you would have the shanty towns. Um, and that's that's a different level of poverty. But it's similar to, I mean, when you see a, a camp um, of folks experiencing homelessness is very similar. You have got the cardboard or the wood kind of lean tos yep. and some tents and, and, and pieces like that. So in some ways it, it's similar, but it just looks very different. I was just in Spain and, and I was in Northern Spain up in Basque country talking to a woman and I, and I was asking her, I'm like, I've been, we've been to Barcelona. We've been, we went, went up to Bilbao and Guernica and Northern Spain. I'm like, I haven't seen like anyone begging on the street. I haven't seen any homeless folks. Like what, what's the poverty situation here? And part of it's just that families stay together and like live together and uh, she had her she had her reasons it wasn't a, an official statistical you know <laughs> yeah. research piece but it it just looked very very different from here and part of it is too they have universal health care you know they have a lot they have quite the social net yes they do um in ways that we don't in the states so it is interesting yeah. to look around and when you work in homeless services like wait where are the people? <laughs> yes, I know. I was asking myself the same question. I was uh, visiting uh, this. It was the capital of the Baja in Mexico called La Paz. Oh, mm-hmm. And it was the same thing. I just started asking people. It was like, where are the homeless people? And they just kind of like laughed at me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you just take care of your family was mm-hmm. the. Yeah. 
Well, and the interesting it. thing too in Peru, when I would talk to them about, um, you know, there are people who don't have houses that live might be living on the streets. They're like in the U.S. Like you guys are so rich. That doesn't make any sense. Like the shock on their faces would be like, because the, and they don't really. Again, in the mountains, I mean, it was pretty family. There were there would be people begging on the street now and then, but they weren't there overnight. Like they weren't right. there the whole time. So, yeah, the people I went fishing right. with, they're like, yeah, hey, if you don't want this, we got a spot. And it wasn't they were going to go sell. They were just going to go give it to the people that they know needed some food. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like it's oh, part yeah. of what you do. Well, and in, even yeah. in small town USA and OMAC, like I volunteered at um, our ministry for homeless. And even there, like we knew our homeless folks by name. Or our town, the town drunk. I hate saying that, but that's kind of the situation that 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 you see. It makes an image. Yeah, we understand <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> but we we always knew them by name and sure. like come on in, have some coffee, and like play a game with us or put together a puzzle with us. Like it's just that small town of we we just know everybody. Yeah, well, and you get the yeah big cities, big city problems, and we're just trying to like yeah. It beca- people become a little more anonymous and that's kind of part of the problem. And then we treat them like they're anonymous. Right. It's uh, And then we build systems them. that treat them like they're anonymous. And that's when the real trouble comes in. And so we have some of those in Spokane and that's what we need to break down and rebuild. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Like the people in our community, the ones that are listening to you know us right now, they want to help. They want to be yeah. part of the solution. Yeah. Do you have some ideas around that? Um, It's really tough, especially with systems. But if if you're participating like in um, housing and homelessness in Spokane City, they've got committees and boards and even participating in your um, neighborhood councils. Neighborhood councils get uh, the information on some of these things and can be part of that decision making and part of different committees. Um, within the city because the city has really tried to network with neighborhood councils again not perfect um, but it's a voice it's a voice so you know if if somebody doesn't know where to start because it, government can be really complicated bureaucracies are blah, you know um, start at your neighborhood council and get involved there and um, and be a voice for housing and homelessness I go to my neighborhood council I'm a voting member. <laughs> Um, and, <laughs> and, you know, I've been the sole no vote sometimes on some wanting to send a letter to the city about some kind of zoning thing that, that the, maybe the, the neighborhood doesn't like so much, but I know we really, really need because we've got to remove barriers to getting housing, Good for like you. get rid of them. We can always put them back yes. if we need to, but right now it is desperate we we cannot falter at this point. We've been faltering for too long since the 80s basically on building affordable housing and keeping up with the housing needs in this town. Well, country. Let's, yeah. let's face it. Let's yes. Face it. Um <laughs> so like this is the time. So let's get the job done. And it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be pretty. Nothing ever is. Like we're just humans doing this work. The city is full of humans doing the work. So let's do what we can 
and get like get this shit moving because it is dire. And if you're, you know, you love your community, this is a community issue. Yeah. Community can solve it. Yeah. And this housing needs to be built in every neighborhood. Yep. We all just, have to be involved. Yes. There's no not in my backyard here. This is your backyard. Yeah. You love Spokane or you mm-hmm. love Eastern Washington or Idaho. Yeah. This is it. Let's and do it's, it. it's hard. I'm not saying it's not. Like you bought a house, you live in an area that you chose for a reason, and that area will change. It just has to. We have to change. We don't have a choice. No doubt. Well, I'm a, I hope that people can really understand that like, that's how we're going to help solve some of these issues. Sarah, what other kind of things <laughs> is on your mind that you want the <laughs> listeners to, to hear? Oh man. On my mind. How much time do we have? Not much. <laughs> For you, as much as you want. <laughs> as much as I want. Oh man. You know, and on that same note of just how people can get involved. People can also volunteer at the different homeless service agencies. Um, There's a lot of different ways. It could be a really professional skill that that folks can offer. Um, We have multiple board committees, like finance committee. We have program committee. We have development committee for fundraising and things like that. If you want to get on an organization's committees, there are boards you can get involved in. Uh, You can just start volunteering and spending some time. Like at Women's Hearth, you could offer a class on something you're passionate about. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't, you know, but. um, But no one's going to stop you (laughs) if it's it's help. Yeah. 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 Let's try. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And sometimes places just need bodies to be there. And sometimes it's uncomfortable to be there. But. You know, if that's something that you're like, you know what, I could, I would really love to just spend time with women at Women's Hearth or Hope House or, you know, I can't speak for what other agencies need, but it's building that community. It's just, you know, being a warm body in the room to converse with or to bring somebody a cup of coffee or to serve food. Um, A lot of places serve food or to prepare food or um, there's a lot of volunteer opportunities if you look at an organization's website or the city of Spokane has some volunteer uh, opportunities, um, there's lots of things to do. Uh, if you don't have time, we'll, we'll always take your cash. Naturally. <laughs> and it's impactful. It is big time. Uh, and it's going to we're we're heading for a recession is what I hear. So it's going to be more and more important that people give money to nonprofits. Absolutely. Um, because major donors are probably going to get hit with the stock market. It's a, so if you only have a few bucks to give, give it. Because it's going to take it as we go into a recession. And as we and inflation is going up, so we've all increased our pay for our staff. And uh, which I'm sure you're feeling that too. Absolutely. <laughs> it's budgeting time right now. Yes, it is. <laughs> and it's painful. Um, so that's always a way to get involved um, or getting involved in some of these uh, different groups in town that, um, I, again, I don't know the process for like Hello for Good and, and pieces like that, but um, there are ways to, to be involved. And I hope the voices are 
you know, pro <laughs> housing and and homeless services and and pieces like that. But you know, this is a democracy. Well, I I don't know a human who couldn't show up and see what's happening on right. the ground that cannot if they had a an idea of what was happening. Yeah. See things up close and personal. You like see all the amazing work yeah. that you know our agencies are doing in our community. Mm-hmm. Like those. Those hearts will change. Mm-hmm. I know it. Yeah. I know even in my own uh, volunteer experience, I didn't realize that when you just show up and whether it's, you know, putting together some food or helping a committee, whatever level it is, you can impact things in a mm-hmm. very big way. Yes. And it's just showing up. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's been profound. It's been really profound for myself. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I want to help more. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it takes a village. So we all, we all have a part of it. Um, I'm, I, I like to volunteer too. I mean, I'm going to, I think going to have less opportunity to do so (laughs) moving into executive position, but like I'm volunteering at the Christmas Bureau. I love volunteering with the VOA books part because they usually put me in the young adult section and, and it's super fun to just like talk about like what what is your kid like okay maybe these books and just helping people find books and just being one-on-one with folks and like they're all very they're just like you and me they just need a little extra help during the holidays yeah just and it's connection really expensive you can bring joy it's yeah. super expensive yeah. so yeah getting involved in whatever kind of makes your heart happy i think you can be a little selfish about it why not? Yeah. That's win-win, too. Absolutely. You feel good. Our community's getting better. Yeah. Yeah, let's not shy away from that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's help. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I said, sometimes we just need warm bodies. Some people just need, like, some organizations just need reception help. Like, if you know how to answer a phone <laughs> and be nice to people. Yeah, naturally. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's incredible. Yeah. Well, Sarah, as our, you know, time kind of winds down, um, any parting thoughts? Hmm. I mean, we've talked about a lot. We have. And it's incredible the, you know, the work that Transitions is doing, your Mm -hmm. journey to Spokane. I'm happy you made it to Spokane. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. Me too. I'm excited for for the future and and what's coming. I think Spokane is in a really... Um, pivotal part of its development. And I think people are seeing that. We, we're we small enough that we have a lot of opportunity, which is really exciting. Yeah. And I know we see a lot of the negative or we hear a lot of the negative because uh, for some reason, negative news sells. Um, but there's a lot of good things happening. There's a ton of awesome people in this town. And we're not so big that that it's an overwhelming is that it's completely overwhelming and impossible to do what we need to do. I agree. I think we could solve anything mm-hmm. as a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Together, getting, getting people together on the issues and just deciding to do it. Um, obviously nothing is ever that simple. So I won't, I, I'm not going to claim that anything would be easy or simple um, because it's not, if anyone ever tells you something is easy to solve, like, that's not true. Lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a dream. Okay, it's not it's not truth. 
Um, so again, it's, it's just, it won't be hard, but I, I think we can do it. I believe. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to our listeners today and to learn more about, you know, transitions and yourself. And Mm -hmm. we're just excited, uh, you know, for this new role you're taking. And, um, I know we'll get involved. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. I always enjoy talking to you. Right back at you, Sarah. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) 